John Sylvia joining me now to help understand what's going on in the banking industry, CEO and founder of a dynamic economic strategy. All things John Sylvia at johnesylvia.com. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Fine. Thank you, sir, David. Um, David, quick question. Do I get 100 nights to uh, return economic policy back to Washington and just keep the economy? (laughs) I don't know, but you do get sleepless nights if you follow what's going on with with the economic policy out there. Uh, let me tell you, it's uh, you know, maybe the first question, is, John. You know, and this is why I've always loved having you on. And and by the way, I always appreciate the information you send every week. Uh, you know, economic policy; those two words matter, and the economics is being overridden by the ideological policy. Oh, absolutely. And I think when you hear about all the criticism about banks and doing this and doing that, the reality is bank credit as supplied to businesses and households really continues to promote economic growth. So you need the banks to channel the credit. And to the extent that you regulate the banks heavily, to the extent that you criticize the banks and limit that credit growth, you limit the economic growth. So let's continue with this from a point of what the banks can do and then what they're allowed to do. And, and if I'm off the mark on this, John, I'm sure you'll tell me. But there's a need for regulation. Banks mm-hmm. like the free money being printed and thrown out there. They like the low interest rates. That benefits them. But what do banks really need for a long-term stable operating environment that allows them to have more customers, businesses being able to work with them, borrow, lend, lines of credit, you know, all the things that we need to have a real economic, uh, a viable economic picture versus a propped-up economic environment? Yeah, I think what you really need is what you need for most businesses, a steady sense of regulatory policy that is consistent with economic growth um, at, at a moderate pace. And so, you know, what we learned in the housing situation in 2007, 2009, and I think what we're seeing even today is, you know, when you loosen up regulatory policy to such an extent that you end up promoting an activity, for example, housing, a greater than its economic fundamentals, then, then you get speculative behavior. And I think what you're seeing today is, again, uh, that kind of process. I, I read in the Wall Street Journal today that Fannie and Freddie are, are increasing the price limits on loans for you know, up to a million dollars in certain areas. Again, you know, to, to what extent is the federal government involved in supporting that kind of housing price appreciation and buying? The, and I'm going to go back to November. This is when you did the piece on uh, the information piece on bank credit and the case for continued yep. economic growth. But in December, just a couple of weeks after that, economic policy can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. That <laughs> is a rephrasing of John Maynard Keynes, and Keynesian comes to mind 
when I look at Yellen and Powell and, okay, let's just say that I will tell you this, John, it scares me if Saule Omarova is in any way, any way involved in Washington, D.C. Well, well again, the, the perception from many political quarters is that the institutions, banks, or in many cases, businesses in general, corporations, are somehow the bad guy. Uh, and they need to be regulated, limited, et cetera, et cetera. But to what extent do you have the knowledge at the federal government level? And, and this goes back to, you know, just classic economics. To what extent do you have the level at the federal government level to decide which economic activity is actually viable over time and which should be supported? And now we get into the problem of picking and choosing uh, who our winners are. And this, this is just fundamental a fundamental problem about federal government bureaucracies and decision makers who essentially are allocating credit and sometimes allocating credit in areas where it simply is not viable. All right, let's go to this phrase that's popped up. You actually have this in your piece. You say there's no transitory inflation because there's no transitory expansionary fiscal and monetary policy. First, where are we now, and is it by sector or broadly? You have inflation. People hear that term a lot. You have you know, hints of stagflation. Where do you see us right now? Well, um, I see us right now as having a, a, an economic growth engine that is performing quite nicely. Um, I'll just take some immediate data. Uh, this morning, we've got the ISM survey on manufacturing. Um, those numbers are really strong. And we have the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta GDP estimate of 8% GDP in the fourth quarter. And yet, David, what you're talking about is another fiscal stimulus program. What you're talking about is the Fed tapering its stimulus, but it still is stimulus. So the problem is you get an economy growing great guns, and now you're adding more stimulus to that. Of course, you're going to have more continued inflation going forward. It's, this is not a one-off economic policy. It is a continuation of more fiscal and more monetary policy. So I think for the average investor, you have to discount more inflation going forward. And Powell earlier this week you know, admitted that, hey, yeah, inflation's picked up more than we expected and is more sustained than we expected. So once again, well, you know, why are you adding more stimulus when you've got more inflation than what you expected? Uh, it's just uh, a little bit too much for me. So now the solution part, difficult environment and certainly difficult to achieve. How much pain and in what type of pain uh, and are we going to have to suffer as an economy to get back on the right track? And do you see it actually happening? Well, um, as you know, David, it's stitch in time saves nine. Um, I think uh, more aggressive tapering at the Fed and an increase in, in interest rates at a moderate rate, let's say 50 to 100 basis points over the next six months, would be a good cure to getting some stitches in there rather than continuing to allow uh, economic and fiscal policy. Uh, you know, I would very much oppose the, the latest fiscal program by the administration. Uh, in some ways, David, I see 
yeah, the, the, the spending is is going to, you know, quote, boost the economy. But a lot of that spending has nothing to do with boosting the economy. It is simply redistributing income. And so to me, I, I think it would be helpful to not have another fiscal stimulus program. And it would be helpful for the Fed to be a little bit more aggressive in its tapering and perhaps raise interest rates a little bit sooner. But we're not dealing with a Paul Boca era of raising interest rates 200, 400 basis points. But a stitch in time or a couple of stitches in time would save a lot of pain down the road. Here we are getting to the end of the year. And, of course, the political argument in D.C. is around the spending bills. Uh, You know, you've got these multi-trillion dollar uh, proposals, some already passed. What kind of effect does that have on the banking industry? And how does that flow down to the guy or girl listening, John, who says, look, my business is trying to survive or maybe I'm actually in a position to grow, but I don't know what the right path is? Well, the, the challenge in terms of knowing the right path is the fact that many businesses now are being very much surprised by the rise in interest rates that you've seen so far simply because they're very highly leveraged. If you look, uh, again, recent articles talking about the high-yield bond market uh, taking a hit because interest rates have risen faster than people had expected or businesses had expected. So I think for many small businesses and moderate-sized businesses, the challenge is you've got a good economy going. You're having a lot of trouble finding workers. And, oh, by the way, the last thing you need is a continued rise in inflation that's going to continue to push up interest rates going forward. When markets expect that the Fed will start intervening, as Greenspan did in the 1980s, when Greenspan intervened in the mid-1980s, interest rates actually came down because the market said, okay, now we're going to get some control over inflation. Right now, the market has no sense that it's a control over inflation, and so interest rates will continue to rise. All right. Well, we will see what they do till the end of the year. I will keep an eye out for your emails because I think we are going to see Christmas tree-like approaches and not much fiscal economic policy. Again, economic policy, not ideological policy coming out of Washington. And the banks, well, you know, they will react as they need to. Indeed, we will. We will watch that very carefully. I like the fact that you are differentiating between what I would consider traditional economic policy and just ideology policy. Um, It's not a good situation to stick the ideology in there. No, never is. Because the numbers, right, as they say, those are the numbers. And that's it. John, always a pleasure, my friend. If we don't get a chance to talk, Mm -hmm. a Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, David. Same here. John Sylvia, CEO and founder of Dynamic Economic Strategy, uh, his website, johnesylvia.com.